to do fine. Oh, hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome. Happy Saturday. And uh, Dragon over here, as you can see her over there in the corner, she's excited to be here with us, too. Dragon? Dragon? There we go, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Spilling Ink Live. I'm so happy to, well, I can't actually see any of you, but I'm a Assuming that you're there and that I'm looking right at you, peering deep into your soul, especially you, um, Anita, Rebecca, and Joe, all of you, I'm peering right into your souls. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight with a brand new guest for the show. But before we get into that, I'm going to turn things over to Katie, who handles all of the business hard work of this That's right. show. That's right. And because we know that is watching. <clears throat> <clears throat> Both say it nice and clear. <laughs> Our first sponsor for tonight is Go Indy Now. Everybody knows who they are. We all love you, Joe. Go Indy Now is the online indie artist network, and they offer exciting new content weekly, monthly, and seasonally, all of which highlight, support, and promote indie artists of all art forms. You can check them out at goindynow.com, subscribe to their YouTube channel, or follow them on Facebook. And this week, for the first time ever, Go Indie Now's This Week in Indies will broadcast live on Facebook, Sunday, noon, uh, Eastern Standard Time. That's this week. So tomorrow, everybody mark your calendars and watch Go Indie Now's This Week in Indies. Join them to interact for the very first time live with their roundtable panel. And remember, it's always time to go Indie Now. All right, back to you, Jay. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> it's back to me? Okay. All righty then. Um, I just realized okay. there's three J's and a K. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we could really plan something cool out here if we if we were if we were smart and thinking about it ahead of time. Um, all right, well it's Saturday, and we're scattered across the country. We are really are scattered across the country. I'm in Michigan. Katie's out in Vegas. We've got Tennessee here for Jerry, and then Jane is in either New Hampshire or Maine. One of those two. Maine. Maine. Okay, Maine. Yeah. Maine so we're all time. over the place. <laughs> Uh, how so is in, everybody? We're in Tennessee. We're in Tennessee. Yep. Uh, just outside of Chattanooga, a little town called Signal Mountain. Okay. All right. Yes. That's. Oh, I almost said right of Nashville. <laughs> we're about we're about two hours to... from Nashville. Yeah. Two hours from Birmingham. Two hours okay. from Knoxville, and two hours from Atlanta. So. Okay. Well, welcome. Yeah. Thanks. You were Regina, saying. How did you know I'm not wearing pants? What's going on here? <laughs> did I somehow show my pants? <laughs> it's it's just a fair assumption. You know it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm wearing basketball shorts. Okay. I'm Nothing wearing shorts. But... Yeah. <laughs> I'm not wearing any pants. Oh, good for you. <laughs> Rebecca, there you go. Run with that one. <laughs> All right. So Jerry is our author guest tonight. Jerry, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. First of all, thank you all for having me. What a, what a privilege to be with you all. Um, so I live in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee area. Grew up out this way. And uh, I've lived here most of my life. Went to college in the area. Lived in Birmingham for a while. Um have uh, I have six kids. So my oldest two are adopted from Ukraine. 
Uh, and then I'm a blended family. So my youngest two are my stepdaughters and they, they still live with me. The others are kind of out of the house. I have a grandkid. Um, I've had sort of three careers in my life. Um, I was a camp director for a lot of years, ran a summer camp. Uh, and then uh, after that, I worked in a counseling field where I ran a, uh, a clinic. Uh, that was a, a lot of fun. And then my most recent uh, rendition of a career was is that I'm a teacher. So uh, I teach middle school here in the Chattanooga area. So um, that's a little bit about me. I'm a volunteer fireman and like to be outside, hang out outside. A little jealous that you're doing the interview from outside. I didn't know that was an option. And uh, and I'm not technically savvy enough to fix all this computer stuff quickly and get out to my porch. So, uh. Well, I'll tell you what, you should have seen my, okay, because now I have a, it's a really easy setup. You buy something on Amazon for $17 called a Wi-Fi extender, and then this magically works. Whereas the first time, I got like 30 feet of coaxial cable, dragged it across my living room, through my kitchen, out the window, onto the deck, and put the router next to me. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. So, no, tech savvy, not me, but Google answers all. Oh, so, Although you did MacGyver that pretty well, though. It, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can just step outside. I mean, I'm I'm in a, a park model trailer at at the beach, so <laughs> as you can see that that little slide out back there, that's our bedroom. <laughs> so normally I have that closed. <laughs> it's the beautiful green out the window again. Both you and Jay, I'm so jealous of all the greenery. It is nothing but every shade of brown here in Vegas. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I bet, I bet. Well, and did you guys see the the chickens? I I don't know if you can see them. I'll try to. Yeah. See the chickens in there? Okay. Aww. <laughs> they're, they're so happy. Fresh and eggs. no, we we are not yet. Probably not for another month because they're still okay. pretty young. But okay. uh, and we are not allowed to have chickens here. Um, but we did it anyway because we're we're rebels, man. I was gonna say you're a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as there's no roosters, I don't think there's a problem, right? Because no. it's the roosters that make the noise. Yeah. Yeah. And they're these guys are super quiet. It's they're so quiet. I mean, you you really can't hear them unless you're in there with them, trying to pick them up, and then they're like, ah! you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun zone. Now, is it true that chickens are like nature's trash compactors? They eat pretty much everything. You know they. They do kind of eat a little bit of everything, but, and I don't know much about chickens. You know, Heather, Heather raised chickens when she was young. And so she's kind of the, she's the, you know, the, the expert on it. So she tells me what they can and can't eat, but yeah, it's pretty much if you're chopping up greens or veggies or fruits or whatever, and you know, she just brings it out there and tosses it in there and they go crazy. They love it. I'm jealous. You're going to get all the fresh eggs. That Those are the best eggs you can get, fresh from the chicken, especially if you know what they've been fed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mike. Oh. <laughs> <It's not> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's just wrong, man. <laughs> That's an abomination. But uh, they really eat everything. I actually wanted chickens at one point because in our old house, we had scorpions, and I heard chickens would take care of scorpions but we never actually did it. <laughs> they probably would. I mean, they, 
they're ferocious about bugs. Holy cow. I've, I've seen one of them like chase a, a fly that's outside the chicken coop, then run straight into the chicken coop because they wanted that fly so bad. Like, you know, they're, okay. they're not smart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, one more off-topic question before we actually go on to our topic for the evening. How are the dogs dealing with the chickens? You know, um, the Chihuahua, Mariana, she she really doesn't care about anything. We've actually plopped her in there a couple of times with us while we were in there because she just kind of stands there and looks <laughs> around and sees what there is that she can eat too. Um, lady will, will kill them all. Um, I figured as much. 100%. She would kill all of them. The pugs, I mean, they don't really seem to care. You know, they they walk around every once in a while. They'd be like, like, you know, what are those things? But Lady is, I have a feeling one day she's going to get in there. What kind of dog is Lady? She is a dachshund. The fluffiest dachshund I have ever met. And her hair is like silk. (laughs) Okay. It really is. But she is a damn killer. She is a killer. <laughs> uh, oh, so how did we come to, to have Jerry on the show tonight? I, I know there's a relationship, uh, you know, between the two of you, right, Katie? Absolutely. And, and I wanted to bring Jerry on for a couple reasons. One, he just released a new book. But two, we talked to a lot of authors who have been through the process a couple times. And Jerry, this was your first experience publishing. So I really wanted to take a look at your journey, what you thought about it, what you expected versus how it turned out, and uh, maybe give some pointers to some of the the new authors in our audience who are not yet at the stage you've reached. Sure, so interested in in me before I know the actual answers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start with the simple ones. What inspired you to write your book? What what got you to the point of actually writing it? (laughs) That's a a great question. So, and, and I'm going to give two answers. The first one, I was in high school, and that was a long time ago for me. I mean, that was that was, a, that was many, many decades ago. Uh, I was a junior in high school, and a teacher came up to me and said, why are you not in my creative writing class? And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. You know, I have no idea who you are. So, uh, But I ended up signing up for his class my senior year. Absolutely loved it. Loved, it was the first time I ever really wrote creatively. And just, I mean, just totally engaged. And I thought... I am going to do this for the rest of my life. Uh, and so then you fast forward about 30 years because, uh, <laughs> uh, just you know, life happened, got busy, got doing things and just always thought, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to write someday. Um, and so the trigger for me, uh, it's always been part of my brain. I always, you know, I'd, I'd be sitting around and thinking, I'd like to write this book. I, I'm interested in doing this, you know, I always had ideas and stuff just never did anything with it, raising kids, working. Um, and so my uh, boys, I've always asked them to find something they could do charitable. Um, my oldest son joined the fire department. That was how I got involved with volunteer firemen. My younger son, he wanted to uh, do charity work um, as uh, a stormtrooper. So that was what he wanted to do. There's a group around our city that they go to St. Jude's Hospital. They go to, you know, they go all these places and dress up like Star Wars characters and the kids get to see him and stuff. He's like, that's what I want to do, Dad. So uh, we went to Chattacon, which is sort of the local version of Dragon Con or, you know, Comic Con or something like that, much smaller scale. Uh, And he is talking to somebody about how to make 
rubber wood guns or something, the way out of my league. Uh, and I'm just standing there and I, I start talking to this guy that's selling these books and I'm, and he's like, yeah, we're local authors. We get together, uh, once or twice a month, uh, and we eat barbecue at a local restaurant and, uh, we'd love to have you. So that was actually what, that was the stimulus for me. was him inviting me to eat barbecue sandwiches, uh, <laughs> at a restaurant with a bunch of other people who were trying to write. So, um, I just needed 30 years in that little push. There's always something. That's awesome. A little, little push in the right direction. Now you teach middle school and your book is about a kid in middle school. Did you take some of your experiences that you've seen in class to put them into your story? Uh-oh. Did we lose you? It's like you froze. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go. Something cut out there. I'm not sure what happened. Okay. Yeah. Did you get the question or do I, should I repeat it? Repeat it. I heard something about you were going to give me a hundred bucks. No, <laughs> not on this no, show. Okay. Right. You may want to. You may want to repeat it then. So you are a middle school teacher, and your book centers around a student in middle mm -hmm. school. Did you use some of the experiences in your classroom that you've seen from other kids as part of your inspiration? Um, I did. I did not, as best as I know. You know, and I, you know, my subconscious, I don't know about that, but as best as I know, I didn't. Um, as I got into this group, there were a couple of people in my group that have self-published and one of them said, write what you know. So I just spent several years working in the counseling field. Um, and so I, I knew anxiety and, you know, all those kind of topics. Uh, and I know middle schoolers, but I really tried to borrow more from my own kind of middle school experiences and views kind of thought back that way than to pick kids who are walking by me in the hallway. So um, as much as anything, I was probably inspired by some of their, their dialogue. Um, I would, I remember I'd sit at lunch, you know, doing lunch duty and I'd hear kids say things. And I thought who would ever say that? That would be great in a book. Um, so I, I probably borrowed some snippets of dialogue from them uh, more so than any sort of character build up. All right. We've got a question from the boss. Uh, I can accept failure, but I can't accept not trying. So who said that? Can accept failure, but I can't. It's behind me over his shoulder. Oh, uh, Michael Jordan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Him right there. Right. Rebecca, Rebecca started out. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, yeah. Uh, before we go too much further, I gotta, I wanna plug something real quick while it's still on my mind because uh, you were talking about charitable things, um, and I just, um, I released a short story that I'm selling right now. It's called Echoes. Um, it's just, very, very personal uh, short story to me. It's not horror. There's no blood and gore in it. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm selling that to raise money for um, for a group called Feed the Movement, which uh, provides food and drink to people that are out there protesting right now. So uh, I just shared the link to, to that on uh, YouTube and Facebook. So if you have a spare two bucks, you'd like to, to read a story, maybe uh, support a good cause, please do that. Yes. And we will also put the link in our show notes at the end of the show so that uh, people who are watching after the fact can find it as well. 
Thank you. Now, Thank Jason, you. Uh, um, is that the story um, that that I helped uh, critique? The one with the beach you, and the yep. Oh, yep. that's a beautiful you, story. Oh, that's a it, good it, one. Yeah, and the the story is it's you know it's it's about my family. It's actually it's about my grandmother, um, and it's a fictional story. It's been fictionalized, but um, a lot of the the details in that are are real. They actually happened. Um, my grandfather did pass away several years ago from ALS, and so uh, a lot of this story was trying to sort out, uh, you know, feelings of grief and confusion that that I've had, and and feelings that I've projected onto her. That you know, I wonder what what she must be feeling being alone now. And so um, that's what kind of what the story is about. It really didn't have a place to go, um, so it was just kind of sitting there in the cloud. And, and I was like, oh well, this this might be a cool thing, and and hopefully it'll help uh, help some people out a little bit. So, yeah, so I appreciate everyone who's checking it out. We will definitely put the link in there because I think it's it's a great quick read. It's a beautiful story, very heartfelt, and it's for a good cause. So, you know, why not? And I, I really would like to get a stormtrooper outfit. Yeah. Um, I want to like know how to make fantastic rubber guns. You know, the, those people that do like oh, yeah. comic cares and they go to to hospitals dressed up as the comic characters, they, yep. they really do bring joy to the kids that are there. And, and it's it's very helpful because a lot of times attitude is everything. And if you can bring some positivity back, it makes a difference. Oh, it does. It does. And we have a great group here. I mean, they go to the zoo and they go to, you know, all kinds of places. They do March of Dimes and stuff. And um, and they and they dress up like everything, uh, you know, not just Star Wars, but they absolutely love it. Now, my son has, uh, as a good teenager, has moved off the clone trooper over to the Mandalorian. So okay. um, he has the clone trooper helmet. Uh, but we have since moved away from that and we're now melting foam plastic to create armor for a Mandalorian costume. So oh my uh, God. that is awesome. Need, I, so uh, we I need a how to. Yeah. So pretty cool. <laughs> Pardon? It, it does we do a, a lot of video. good. And, I, and I've met a few people at, at the different conventions I've gone to that, Man, if they aren't the spitting image of the character they're trying to represent, they they nail the costumes that they look so good you'd think they were the actual person. And, and, those, and when they do, when they meet the kids, you can see it on their faces. Those costumes are easier to wear than the big foam ones. Nah. That, 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 yeah, because I, I went through the children's ward as Bart Simpson when I was in college <laughs> as an intern <laughs> for a television station. So... <laughs> and, you can't really breathe in those outfits. <laughs> one of my first jobs was working for Peter Piper Pizza, and I had to dress in one of the costumes and go stand out in front of the store, and it just sucked. There's oh, no, no hot, no breathing room. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I can't even imagine people who do that and walk around the conventions all day in those full yeah. costumes. Full costumes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Regine was asking, uh, what is March of Dimes? Uh, is that MS? Or? I believe, yeah, I believe it's uh, it's MS, multiple sclerosis. I believe so. Yeah. Um, I'm not 100%, but I believe so. So, okay. I remembered it because it was the uh, it was the last one we were going to do before everything got canceled, right? So, you know, they always advertising, this is your next sign-up shop, this is your next one. So, um, it was the last one that we had an opportunity uh, to participate in. So, but he's still building his and, and I'm building mine to, uh, do it with him, but, uh, it's been a fun, you know, it's a fun father son project too. 
think it's uh, awesome. It's been, been a good time. So I think he's That's repainted cool. it like three or four times and, you know, figuring out what he wants to be and uh, what colors scheme and all that. And, and I'm picking up the, uh, the spare parts. So I'm going to be the spare part Mandalorian. Nice. Okay. So, all right. Now, will you I take like the show on the road and do uh, conventions when things open back up? Um, I'll probably take it with me. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't I? I like doing those conventions and uh, he wants to. I mean, that's, you know, that's what he wants to do. And he wants to go to some of the big ones. Uh, he wants to make his so it's acceptable to whatever the group is. Uh, he would tell me, you know, the Mandalorian group. Yeah. The Star Wars groups are pretty strict. And whatever. Yeah. That's right. So he wants to make his up to code. Um, mine, because it's the ones that he redoes, probably won't be up to code. But that's fine by me. So um, so anyway, yeah. But you'll still have the theme yeah, so. there, and that's what works. Yeah. That's right. Oh, that's I right. Mean, I love it. I love I the love Mandalorians it. so much. Oh, my God. Hey, have any of you guys ever taken an Enneagram personality test? Is that the INFP thing? No, that's that's that's, that's Myers Briggs. Uh, oh, that's Myers Briggs. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna write this. I'm gonna write this as a comment so that people can look at this up. All right. So I want you guys sometime in the next few days to take this test. It says it takes ten minutes. Like you look at the test on your phone. It's like a. It's just like a Trulicity or something like that. But anyhow, um, it only actually takes about five minutes, and it gives you a personality type. And this is, it's actually, it's much more than just a little app. I guess this is a very well-researched thing. Okay. And uh, you can actually look up, um, you know, Enneagram type for Star Wars or for Brooklyn Nine-Nine or for whatever. And it, it's kind of a fun, funny way to, to look at it. But when I did Star Wars for me, because I'm a type four, which is not particularly flattering. Um, they are very artistic, but also have got some issues. Um, that sounds I, like I met. Right, I matched with Kylo Ren and Darth Vader, and I was like, <laughs> "No, it's <laughs> not good. It's not good at all." All right, so our assignment this week is to take it and then post the results on our Spilling Ink page. Yes, and, yes. And Mike posted his his Myers Briggs. I'm ENFP. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. Ah, okay. I'm ENFP. Yep. I, I think I'm ISP. And I'm ISTP, and I used okay. to use that in my clinic all the time. So I'm, I'm certified in the Myers Briggs. Yeah. Uh, okay, it's awesome. a great tool. It's a great tool for character development. It is. Uh, oh yeah. 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 I think that I think that I was INFJ, but I cannot remember because it's been like ten years since somebody put that in front of me. Um, yeah. No, that's that's fun. Wait, what is Julia saying over here? Oh, Julia's One, answering two. a question that Mike had asked about setting up shop at a con how many novels would you recommend having published before doing that and that's okay. kind of it's a personal oh. question really you could do it with one okay. you could partner with other people and do a joint booth or you can wait until you have a lot of books um for me i think just the the ability to get out there and be with other people if you're a fantasy author yeah. if you're able to get out there and be with other people having one book is fine because it gives you a reason to be there and you can enjoy the conversation it's not necessarily about selling a million books, it's about connecting with people. You create readers yeah. through a connection, not just trying to sell them. Well, and I, I think it's, yeah, it's the interesting. Club, the club I'm in, they, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. You're the guest. I was going to say the, the, club, 
<laughs> the club I'm in, they, they host a table, and that's where I met them. Uh, but they host a table at cons, uh, and that's what they do. They rent a table, and then anyone in our group who's published can, you know, we all kind of pitch each other's stuff, but you can come and hang at the table all you want. Uh, so if you just have one book, it's there, but you're at a table with a bunch of other stuff. So it's kind of a fun, a fun it's, atmosphere. When you can be at a table with other authors and let's say your book isn't what that person necessarily wants to read. You know, um, when we do Phoenix, we have multiple types of fantasy at one booth. So it's like, okay, you don't like urban fantasy. Well, we've got epic fantasy over here. We've got young adult fantasy over here and you can point them towards something mm -hmm. they might like. And then mm -hmm. everybody's yeah. kind of sharing in the wealth there. Well, and there's a and local... if there's something you're really interested in, if there's something you're really interested in, you can leave, you can leave your friends and go follow it too. So that was the other, you know, if, you, yeah. if you're the only person at your booth, you're there all weekend. So if you can share the booth with someone, then you can kind of come and go too, which uh, I found just to be great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, go ahead, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> No, the, there's a, a local author group here in Holland that I, I've never done an event with before. Uh, they're all very nice people, though, and they were going to do there's a there's a big art in the park thing here every year. And uh, it's, of course, canceled this year, unfortunately. But uh, they were going to do they were going to buy two tables and, and, you know, whoever from the group that wanted to come and contribute could bring their books and, you know, help man the tables. And I was like, oh, you know, that'd be a really cool thing, you know, a nice way to split up the cost and then like you were saying jerry that you know if you don't want to be sitting there in the sun for two days in a row um you know you can you have somebody else there to help out but so i was pretty bummed that that got canceled this year because i've never actually gone to an expo or a convention to sell books so i, I was excited to do that for once you were supposed to go six. to phoenix with us one day we're gonna get you there jay one day one day, one day. I sneak you in my luggage you will get there <laughs> I'd like to go well, sometime too. <laughs> we need the whole spilling ink crew there. Yes. <laughs> we we were talking about coming out west uh, this fall, but ain't gonna happen now. <laughs> Look, twenty twenty one. Just just focus on twenty twenty one. That yep. way, you know, it's just a blur. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all right. So back on topic. All right. We talked about the inspiration. So let's talk about you wrote the book. How did you decide to move forward publishing? You chose self-publishing versus traditional. Wait, 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 Katie, that Katie, 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 wait, what? do you what? have like a cover image of his book or anything? I do. Well, do you think we could like bring that up so we can see, have a Give visual? Just a moment and I will put it up on the screen. Because I'd like to check this out. Maybe we could we get an idea of what the what's behind the cover and everything too. All right. This she is loves the full wrap cover, so front, back, and spine. Nice. <laughs> How about a nice Ken Burns effect on it? Oh, I like that. <laughs> I don't think I can get it to do any more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I think I've got the. Uh, I should have the audiobook cover in this file too. One second. There. How did you get a hold of all this stuff, Katie? Magic. <laughs> <laughs> I like it has it has a, a really it has a, a cool vibe to it. And like you mentioned to me, like a Diary of the Wimpy Kid kind of vibe to it. 
that was when, when we talked about it because I, I did do the cover for for Jerry. Um, when we talked about what to do with the cover, I asked him, you know, what kind of a book it is, what's it about, and I immediately, as I was looking at my own bookshelf, I saw the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books, and I went, that really kind of matches with what we're looking at, that style, and that's a very popular style for that age group of books. So we kind of went with that. <laughs> Jerry, you liked it, right? Put you on the spot. I did, and the, that's what. No, that's fine. And the the artist that did the the initial drawing was an ex-student of mine. So he was a student that I'd had in class and uh, I was constantly uh, just barely passing him uh, because he would spend the whole, whole test or whatever drawing around the margins. Um, but the art was so spectacular. I mean, just phenomenal, you know. Uh, and so he was in high school and I gave him a call and said, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing. Can you make some sketches for me? Uh, and so he did several. And so those... And they all they all had that kind of uh, they have the lines on them where he's you know he's drawn the the frame of the figure and then gone back and did it and I left them like that because I really like that sketch look for it um, and so then Katie and I worked to make it into a bigger cover design and you were able to integrate it into something that I think looks really nice so well I'm I'm glad you're happy with it that's always the end goal. <laughs> <laughs> So back to the question, though, how did you decide to go and self-publish versus going the traditional route? Um, well, a couple of things. Uh, and the biggest was, again, I was in this group and I start talking, you know, what do you do? Right. I mean, I, I've, I've now uh, I've written the book. I'm, I'm excited. I have a manuscript. Uh, and the answer is sit on it. Right. Go back. Re-edit it. I said, OK, I can do that. Um, and my, my group was actually publishing a little anthology anyway. So that gave me something to participate in kind of do while we were doing that, um, called crazy buffet and came back to it. Uh, edited the story again, revised it a little bit, sent it to, uh, somebody, I, I sent it out to about three or four beta readers. Nobody read it. I don't think, uh, if they did, uh, their comments were, you know, good job or something like that. And, and I, and I really think i now I can look back and go, that was my fault. Uh, because I just handed it to them and asked them to read it. I didn't give them questions. So, um, and now, now I'm a little further down the path. And so I just sent a book out to some beta readers, uh, and I gave them a set of like four or five questions and said, this is what I'm asking you to do as you read through it. Uh, but I didn't know any of that. I started reading about query letters and synopsis. No idea how to do it, right? No, no earthly idea. So I actually did send it to a couple of agents um, that I found uh, and just sent kind of a, a letter. Now I did it. And then like the next uh, meeting with my group, I said, oh, I sent it out and they said, oh, let's look at the letter. I said, OK. And they're like, well, don't ever do any of the stuff you did. I said, OK, um, you know, that's good. That's good advice. Uh, and it was good advice. Um, it's cool. At that point, I really. That's right. But I mean, that, you know, that's what you want in a writing group. Right. And a little love. And um, and they were they were loving about it. But just sort of, you know, you don't you, know, you don't send this or that. So um and so at that point, I really sat down and said to myself, why am I doing this? Right. Why, why am I writing? Um, and I mean, I have a full time job. I have a family. Like, you know, I've had I've had plenty of excuses not to do this for a couple of decades. Uh, and, I, and I think one of my goals for all that was 
just always wanted to put a book out there and have a story that I wrote that I could, you know, just have out there. And I said, I, I'd like to write more than one. Um, but for the first one, I can achieve that goal uh, and be pretty happy, you know. Um, so I have other goals I'd like to do with other books. Uh, but it, it really helped me to kind of break down, you know, what am I trying to do as an author? And then to say, well, this book's not going to do all of that. Right. Um, so what can it accomplish? Uh, and I said, well, I'm going to learn from this one. Uh, and so that was when I started moving down the self-publishing route with it. Uh, hope that makes sense. No, it does. And, and no, I, publishing and traditional publishing, one's not better than the other, but self-publishing will definitely teach you a lot of lessons, I think. I have a I have a question for you. It's kind of related. Do any of you when you're when you're getting ready to take a drink and like you put the glass to your mouth, do you like touch the glass with your tongue at all? Because I like I just I like touch just touch the rim with my tongue and I don't know why. There, nobody feels that. Make sure the glass is there. I'm like I'm like why am I looking up? Because the camera's way up here. <laughs> Sorry. Um. No. <laughs> Jason needs a lollipop. My husband said. <laughs> you were doing so good. You were doing so good. <laughs> okay, I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll mute myself again. I think Katie actually asked a question. I don't know. <laughs> we do have a question so from one of our, our audience members. Now I got to go find it. Uh, oh, yeah, Mike, I asked. How long did it take you? How long to did it take you to write your manuscript? Um, so I wrote, uh, I, I wrote the first couple of chapters pretty quick, um, and then I took a couple of months, I think, to I wrote the last chapter, and then I took about a month to write the outline. I do it, I, I putz with it, get it set. Um, so I've, I've read now, you know, how these people who are what plotters, they just sort of start writing and go through. And then the plotters who go through and do the outline. And I was, I guess I was kind of a hybrid. I wrote like the first three or four chapters. And then I wrote the end, kind of knew where I wanted to go. And then, uh, but it took me probably another seven or eight months once I did that initial burst uh, to get the middle stuff right um, and, and set where I wanted it. So, uh, overall it probably took me about nine months, maybe now, um, as a teacher, two of those months I'm in the summer, I'm off. So I have a lot of time. Uh, and then some of those months I'm, I'm much more of a work all day, pick it up a couple days a week, that kind of thing. Um, so now that I'm, I've been doing it for a couple of years, I've really started in the summer writing, uh, and then in the fall, I spent try to spend more time editing, revising, doing things like that. Because I found it really hard to go to work every day and try to pick a manuscript up every third day or something. So uh, it was just a really, really tough thing to do. Um, so anyway, that was my experience. Now, how was your family's response to you writing? Uh, it was very receptive. So I mean, it was it was. My wife has been nothing but supportive um, and, and all of this. She, she thinks it's great. 
And I mean, she doesn't want to do it, but she thinks it's great. Uh, so in fact, she's watching now. She, she emailed me and told me that the March of Dimes uh, does uh, provides pregnant women and families, preterm birth situations um, and corrected me on that. So, uh, so she's, she's watching and has been nothing but just really, really excited about it all. Um, yeah, I, probably my biggest supporter. So, uh, my kids think it's cool. My, my older kids think it's cool, but they haven't bought the book. So I'm not sure what that said. Uh. Well, you know, I've, I've got four kids, so not quite as many as you, but none of them buy my books they, they think it's cool but they're just like whatever <laughs> i wrote a teenage right. book and my teenager won't read it I like, damn it i wrote this for you <laughs> you're not you're not cool enough <laughs> no not at all <laughs> yeah my my daughter only read one of my books my son's read more was um, it was it the one with all the blood and sex and it scared her away <laughs> Well, she read one line from one of those, and that was the end of that. Um, but she 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 um, talked me into writing about my high school years, and that was the book she read. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, my son, he started to read some of the other stuff that I've written, and and he's looking at it now as as a young writer, in the same you know vein of seeing how I evolved. <laughs> and so. you do you do evolve from your first book to to what you're writing now it's totally different mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it is it is you know so. it's funny katie is i those, those first couple books that i wrote um i it wasn't necessarily super purple um but you know i i, I was adding more stuff than i needed to into every sentence and now I've got to the, gotten to the point where the sentences are so brief um, that the editor is actually saying, hey, let's add some more into these. And it's like, I've just, I've, I've kind of honed this down to only the bare necessities now. I've gotta, I don't have that middle ground yet. I need to find that gray area. That's where I've got to go to. That's the layering, the building and that, yeah, you yeah. know. And then if you're staring at something and going, okay, I, I don't know what more I can add, put it put it down for a week and then pick it back up and go, Oh, okay. I can describe this or I can add this to, to, to give another sense in the, you know, out of the senses in the book, you know, Oh, it's just visual. I need audio. I need touch. I need, you know, sense sensory perceptions. So, or, or if you're writing and you get stuck and you feel like you can't push forward, I had to learn how to skip over. Put in brackets something 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 and then move yeah. on because you'll fill it in later. But if you hit that roadblock and, and forget to move past it, then you get stuck there. I had to learn that too going through. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have any of you ever listened to the um, Hobbies Include Writing podcast by chance? You um, just have all the good podcasts, don't you, Jay? Yeah. Well, well, you know, this was a a person who actually reached out to me a you know week week and a half ago about about coming on uh, one of my other shows, and they were telling me about this podcast they do, and the the idea of the podcast is they are they're they're writing a story, and you're listening along as as the story is being written, and the the listeners are supposed to chime in after the episode, you know, send her send them feedback. Um, and what they thought of, of each passage uh, so that then the author can 
can kind of change things going forward or at least take those things into account and i thought well that's kind of a neat thing you know it's it's not it's not completely brand new because there are many podcasts that do you know long form fiction type stuff but i thought it's cool that you know this person is trying to make it interactive for the people that are that are listening to. And I was like, oh, well, that's a fun little thing. So I just started listening to that um, a few days ago. I was like, yeah, I kind of like this. This is fun. I don't know that I'm that brave. I don't like people to read things until after the editor's gone through it. Um, and I was like, oh, that's just kind of a, a cool, different idea. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Figure out how to use the census beyond the five. All right. Somebody's going to have to read that word because I cannot pronounce it. Uh-huh. No, bioception <laughs> yeah. and proprioception. Proprioception. There we go. I know what proprioception is. The first one is noioception. I'm not sure what noioception is. All right. Regine, you might need to clarify what noioception is because I do know what proprioception is. Well, explain it to us then, Jay. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Um, proprioception <laughs> is, is actually something that we test for in animals that have possible spinal injuries. Um, oh. And it's awareness of what your limbs are doing, what your body is doing. If, if you know, say, if if I've got your finger pulled back like this and you're not reacting at all, your your brain doesn't know what's happening in that hand. You've got nerve damage somewhere. Um, but no, I don't know what the I other one. You're kind of foolish. Uh. <laughs> oh, Come We're on, waiting. And it's We're waiting. <laughs> I don't have my phone to look it up. <laughs> Phone's charging. <laughs> See, we learn something new every day. Uh, well, Katie, oh, what my mother-in-law finished beneath. <gasps> Did she? she, she really like it? Liked it? Yes, she's getting between. <laughs> Which is good. That, that's because, always the best news when you hear yeah. somebody actually liked your work. Yeah. Somebody outside of your realm of friends and family. Yes. I, I figured you would like that. <laughs> yeah, good news. I needed to hear that today. Good news. Yes. <laughs> she was excited. And, and I have a question for you that relates to the thing before the thing you guys were talking about. Okay. Oh, sorry. Because Regine said, figure out how to use the senses beyond the five. And mm-hmm. me and my friend Alyssa were just talking about this today because she was talking about fourth wall breaks. And mm-hmm. then I was thinking, well, how many walls are there actually? And what are the walls? Does anyone? I mean, are there six like a, a like a like a cube, or are there just infinite walls out there? Where are the walls, and what are they? Wasn't the fourth wall when you directly address your audience? Yes. You step outside yes, but, the story and directly address them. But what other walls are there? That's what I need I'm not to sure know. How to describe that? I, I, I need to know this information because I feel like I, like something broke inside me, and I need to, need to fix it. <laughs> oh. The only thing, that, the only thing that's coming to my mind is that uh, is that old uh, uh, game show. Uh, I, I can't even remember it now, but it's the uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. But they have a, one of the obstacles. They have the, the doors, and the people have to run through the door. And some of them are paper, and they go through them. And then some of them are like block, and they just hit and bounce off. Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like a, a Japanese show. There's some Japanese show. Yeah, my kids were all about it for a while. They had like these rubber balls they had to bounce on to get to the end goal and stuff. Uh, anyway, I, I don't remember. That's that's all I know though. Is if you just run at the door real hard, it'll let you know whether it'll break. There, that's where you know where the wall is. All right. Yeah. 
We, we now know how to find the wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, Rebecca has some more information here. There's a fifth wall? There's a fifth wall is talking to the director or editor or animator or ellipses. I, I have a, a kid's book series that my, we read all the time that they do that. There's actually like a section where he writes notes to his editor and his editor writes notes back to him aside from the actual story that you're reading. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sixth wall is the panels. Wait, what? Are we talking panels like a comic strip? Rebecca, come on. Where is Rebecca? Why isn't she on this show? We need her out here to explain this to me. <laughs> I'm dying here. So there is a fifth wall. Okay. Okay. So that, that makes sense to me. The fourth wall, you're talking to the audience. Fifth wall, you're talking to the director. What about the first, second, and third? What are those? Anybody? Well, if we're talking about like 3D, like becoming real, maybe the first, second, and third walls all have to do with how much of level of description you're giving. Okay. Is it's not POV, right? It's not like first, second, and third POV. I'm thinking it's got to be tied to that because that's how your narrator tells the story to the audience. Okay. That's what creates the world. Hmm. hmm. See, the, the, I feel we'll like have we have to look this up yeah, <laughs> and talk about it next week. We, we have I think we should dedicate entire shows to this. <laughs> okay. Hey, Anita, come on. Narrative <laughs> Yeah. We need so, more than that. So how we the narrator is delivering the story, whether it's the first person they're talking directly about their life or third person close or third person omniscient. Or second person. Or Oh, I hate second person. I know. I, know. <laughs> I don't know anybody who really likes second person. Oh, gross. Wait, sorry, Gary, your book is not written in second person, is it? <laughs> Please, please second person, fit, uh, 15th wall, 15th wall. <laughs> um, uh, oh, goodness. No, it is not. It is not. So. <laughs> but that would uh, be great if it was. moment there. That's so, right. No, so very, things like that were where I set my attention on the first book was just sort of what's the norm, right? I wanted to, I didn't want to write a, I wanted to write a book that, that followed some of the norms of writing. Um, and, and so I looked and talked and read and, and did as much study as I could about, you know, what's the typical point of view, what's the typical plot line for a kind of a middle grade um, book of fiction, you know, what, what are the ups and downs that typically go? And obviously, and in my story, mine are unique to the characters and my own storyline. But but the uh, the the story arc follows a pretty similar pattern that you would see in other books. So I wasn't again, you know, what are your goals for a first one? Uh, and Katie asked me coming on, so I want to talk some about that. And I I've been thinking about that for the week. And probably my biggest piece that I would give to a, a new writer is, you know, if you enjoy it, you're going to keep doing it. So you just don't have to get everything in one book. Um, so use the first book to learn, to to write a good story, um, and then, you know, keep writing. Um, let the stuff outside of writing the story take care of itself. You'll learn it as you go. Um, 
and that was actually how I met Katie was I got to a point where I was like, I really enjoyed writing. I actually enjoyed revising the editing. I don't enjoy EPUB and, and, you know, formatting and any of that stuff. I have no interest in that. Uh, and so this is quickly going to take this from something I really love doing to something that's just, just horrible labor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to lose momentum. Uh, I'm not saying I won't do that next time or the time after, uh, but at least for this book, I wanted to enjoy the momentum of writing and I wanted to be in the story. So uh, I was really excited to connect with someone who can help me do the parts. It just had a massive learning curve. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've got, I've got, that's, uh, went to school uh, and graduated and never had an email. So, uh, you know, I'm a little behind in the technical world for, for all this stuff. So uh, it's been a huge help to have people come alongside me and walk me through some of that process. Um, well, and a lot of times when we're talking self-publishing, the, the idea is that you're doing it all yourself, but really we should um, call it as independent publishing. You are the project manager once you've written the book to getting all the other pieces to line up so that you can put that book out into the world. You're not doing it yourself. Uh, you can for most things, except editing. We never edit our own books um, for most things, but you do need help along the way because there's a lot that, that you don't know that goes into it. You know, the formatting, the cover art, how to get it up on the different platforms, what platforms to choose from. Do you need ISBNs? Do you file your copyrights? I mean, where do you do all of these things and how do you do them? And it's a lot more labor intensive at times than actually writing the book was, you know, writing the book becomes the there are, and there's, there are, a, and there are a lot of people out there who would love to take your money and not give you a lot of information. Um, yeah. Right. You know, just, yeah. There's a, they're selling their own book. They've got 12 ways or 14 ways to do it. And, um, and some of them I think are well-meaning, but you know, you look and you realize they wrote the book back in, you know, 1742 and nothing they said matters, you know? Uh, so, so even there, just realizing that the, how different the world is today than even in 2010 um, for self-publishing or publishing in general, uh, it's been a, it's been a cool journey. And, I, and I'll say this for me, getting the first book out there, learning the parts of getting a book into the public eye um, has made me, uh, a little more aware as I've, I've, you know, I've now got three other books that are in draft. You know, I've got a story, um, but none of them are ready to go to a publisher or, or to, you know, go into print yet. Uh, they're in various stages. But as I'm looking at those, it's really cool now that I have a sense of, okay, last time I did this step and I really, you know, I sent it to an editor and then I decided to rewrite four chapters and I had to send it to another editor, right? Like I need to get the content straight first. So I'm not spending the money over here. Uh, and so I really learned a lot from that book. I do think it's a good story, uh, but, but the process of getting it out there um, was a huge learning curve to me. So your first book always is. And I think the the comment about spending a lot of money on editing how many of us who put out our first book didn't overspend <laughs> on something like editing? Because yeah, that, that's I like made the mistake. <laughs> we thought we thought they had editors. We did. 
<laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> I know, you know, you know what I'm talking about too. <laughs> We're talking way, way back in the excessive days. Yes. Yes. But, yes. You know, well, that, that's, I got that's on, something. Uh, Go ahead, Jerry. Cheer <laughs> this up. I, I was just going to say that, you know, that's that's all stuff that, you know, this first big wave of self-published authors um, and Katie and Jane, I, I know that you've been published for, for quite a long time now. Um, and I think that mine was 2012. But, you know, we experienced a lot of those, you know, I don't know if they're necessarily scams, but, you know, people that are taking advantage of other people. Um, and now we can tell this this next wave and, and future waves of self-published authors that hey, you don't, you, don't do you, know, yes. you you've got to you've got to be a little bit more careful because people will tell you what you want to hear. Um, yep. Especially when you're excited about your book and you're like, I just want to find somebody to help me with this, and you Google it, and boom, there's somebody that really wants to help you with that, um, and it seems great. But you know, it's the the buyer beware thing too. You know, just you know, look at reviews, <laughs> look at testimonials and ask other indie authors because, you know, most of us have, have been there and done that and are regretting, and you, regretting it, you know. And, and if you get a contract, you, and it. It. You, you don't necessarily regret your mistakes as long as you can learn from them. We're all going to make mistakes going along the way, but if you can right. take knowledge and move forward and not make the mistake again, you're better off. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I would you know, also look and see what people you're looking at look and see what else they're doing you know if they've if all they're doing is this one piece they're trying to sell you um you know i've talked to katie before one of the reasons she and i connected was uh she was one of probably 17 people that you know bid out bid on my work um but i, I looked she had this podcast um, she had books in print you know so i'm i'm looking at uh, the reviews of her books and i'm I'm building this sort of sense that here's someone who is you know, competent in her field, knows what she's doing. Um, you know, she's she's out there, and a podcast like this, you're doing something for other writers. Um, and so, you know, it's it one of those things where you can do a little investigation and kind of figure out who's been around and who's doing it for the right reasons. So, oh, absolutely, um, you should vet whoever you're yes. going to work with, and and even if that means going to your author groups and saying, okay, who have you used? Because the, the other authors who've been there, done that, they've gone through, they've made uh -huh. the mistakes and, and they can tell you and they will tell you. No, this Yeah, is and I was saved by that. We have a, a guy in our club who um, published a book through uh, through an agent, a publisher, uh, and it was not a good experience, you know? And so his experience about that book, and he actually gets the book back, I think next year. Um, and he's, he's written the second and third one. So he's, he's waiting, you know, in that, in that whole timeline. Um, but that, that gave me a real sense of be aware, you know, be, be wary. I probably would have rushed in a little quicker, um, except that I had that, uh, and that made me really pause and consider self-publishing, consider, uh, you know, consider what I wanted to do. This is all really, really good information, but I want to bring us back to the, the important thing here. All right. So Julie has done a little research, but so has um, Regime. All right. So Julia breaks this down for us. Okay. The first mall is where the character acknowledge that they are engaged in a literary device. All right. 
Second wall is where they acknowledge a story-like structure or plot to their life or to the day. We're talking about the Truman Show, I feel like. Yeah. Um, so then she says, like in Community, where they do parodies of other shows. Third wall is where characters acknowledge directly or indirectly they are in a movie, show, or book. And then, okay, that's all I've got. But Regine... And I like this idea because I'm thinking of Deadpool, which I just got finished watching here. In the theater setting, the action happens in a room with four walls. But that fourth wall is the one you're looking through at the characters. So that's the fourth wall that you break to acknowledge the audience, right? So it seems like there's a couple different interpretations here. I feel like this merits you know, further discussion. What do you guys think? I don't know. My toe hurts. <laughs> Actually, you guys keep going. I'll be right back. I know we're almost out of time. Let's see if I can catch a chicken. Break the fourth wall. Ask the audience. The what do you think about the Sorry. <laughs> uh oh, it sounds like a dog fight. Oh, <laughs> he did say the dog would eat anything. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady is, uh, she's a dachshund that is absolutely gorgeous, but she's a killer. <laughs> it's always the small ones. I walk around yeah. the block with my big husky, who is the sweetest, most lovable dog in the world, and people get scared of her. But it's those small dogs. Let me tell you, those ones are the scary ones. Yeah, no, I like big dogs. I will, I will go up to almost any large dog except for maybe a rottweiler and 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 say hello <laughs> i'm happy i don't you know, i i love dogs yep. it's the small ones i found that are the vicious ones they're the ones that i don't know if it's little man syndrome or whatever but like they feel a need to prove that they're there and they're dangerous so they are just loud and aggressive whereas big dogs are just kind of like big friendly goofs yeah oh we got a chicken we have a chicken situation. So this is this is Henry. Hi, Henry. <laughs> does the thing where its head doesn't move when you move its body? <laughs> this this was my chick. This was we all we all got to name one, and this was mine. Henry with two E's. Hi, sweetie. And Henry is actually kind of the bully of the of the chicken coop. Aww. You go in there, and and Henry's just there, like, what you gonna do? Huh? <laughs> this is my little buddy. He just wanted to say hi. Yeah. Oh, hi, honey. Oh, Heather's out here now. I asked her to grab a chicken, but she didn't hear me, so I just went and got some. So. Hi, honey. A dinosaur. Isn't it that the T Rex is directly related, or is it the Raptors directly related to the, yes. the chicken? Excellent. It's actually, this is going to, uh, the next evolution, if I walk it enough, it turns into a raptor. It's like after 5K or something, it turns into a raptor. Okay. I'm going to give this to, to Heather. <laughs> that was for those of you who play Pokemon Go, wouldn't, wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Which apparently Jane does not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Are people still playing hey, that game? Like, is that still a game? I don't know. It is still a game. Extra dorky people still play it, but it is fun. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I remember the summer it came out and everybody was like walking into traffic to catch Pokemon and then it kind of fizzled out after that. <laughs> yep. There she goes. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> oh, Heather's so cute. 
Oh. Miss you guys. <laughs> oh, T-Rex is older. Oh, you're right, Rebecca. You're absolutely yeah. right. Of course you are. So, <laughs> what were we talking Rebecca's about? the answer here. <laughs> walls. Jason, we were talking about walls. <laughs> <laughs> and then you ran and got a chicken. Got a <laughs> That's what um, we expect from Jay. Just, you know, yeah. smile and nod. Uh, yeah. You guys, you guys haven't met my chickens yet, so. Yeah. Thank you, honey. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to decide if I have a broken toe or not. <laughs> oh, I, I walked into a table the other day, and, and at least my foot's not hurting today, just the toe. <laughs> Lovely. At least it happened after the move. Yeah, it happened after the move. It happened when we were back here, and I was walking out. I was texting and walking. Do not do that, you know, especially when furniture is not really where you leave it. <laughs> It just jumps out you know, at you. Talk to, it jumped out when you at talk me, to the and, there, and, the and you know, at least swears didn't come flying out of my mouth. But <laughs> the kids were here, so I had to, you know, edit myself for the two-year-old. Because <laughs> so. they will repeat everything that they hear. Mm -hmm. Everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so. So Jerry, how old? What's the age range of your kids? I know we're almost out of time, but you said you had to. Go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, so my oldest, I think she's 30, 30, 31. They have a birthday like every year. Uh, yeah, so it's I know. Hard to keep up. <laughs> um, but thirty, and then uh, my youngest is about to turn thirteen. So, in okay. fact, we have her. We're having her party tomorrow. So, uh, pretty wide, <laughs> pretty wide range between them all. Uh, and then I have a three-year-old grandson who's yep. a lot of fun. And they are fun because you just hand them right back. Oh, yes, so. yes. <laughs> it's like, I love you. Squeeze. Go run to mommy. That's right. Yeah, the grandkid thing is awesome. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I love it. Oh. And the dog. <laughs> oh, so... So we are out of time tonight, guys, but this has been a lot of fun learning about all the walls. And then as a bonus, we, we got to, to learn about Jerry and his books. Yeah. Um, so this, is, this has been good. And you got to meet my chicken. I mean, all in all, this is a great night, right? <laughs> yeah. This is Mr. Sparkles. Yeah. Hi. Say hi, everybody. I'll have the better camera. I will, it's on my list to bring back. Yes, next week you'll have well, thank you so much for having me yes. too. Yes, Jerry, before we go, tell us where we can find your books. Okay, uh, so you can find it. It's Jam Sessions, uh, and then you can look under my name. Otherwise, I think you end up buying a jazz album. Uh, but it's uh, wherever books are sold. So it's on it's on Amazon, but it's also on Indie Books. Uh, but you can get it through. Uh, nook or apple we can get it through kindle so uh it's it's out there in almost every every venue thanks to katie's help uh and so it is it is highly available uh but jam sessions and then my name jerry harwood are the subtitle jam sessions sometimes in middle school the best you can do is survive so and we will make sure to put that link in our show notes. So after the show is uh, concluded, within about five minutes or so, the notes will go up. So if anybody's looking for his book, great gift idea for the middle schooler in your life. 
um, check those notes afterwards, as well as check the notes for Jay's book, which is at Three Furies Press. And what was the uh, donation it's going to, Jay? It's going to Feed the Movement Charlotte. And that's a small group of people who are providing um, food, drinks, and snacks to people that are out protesting or doing jail support. Um, I just posted the, the link again to, to Facebook and, and YouTube there. It's only two bucks. It's a short story and every penny goes to, uh, goes to that cause. Um, thanks to uh, Three Furies Press for allowing that to happen. Yes, thank you. And speaking of Three Furies Press, our second sponsor is the wonderful Rebecca Jonesy. She's the author of Realistic Fantasies, both Sexy and Killer. And we'll also have links to her books up on Amazon as well as her personal webpage. Definitely check her out. She is the, uh, what is it, the, the resident cattle prodder at <laughs> Three Furies Press and one of our bosses over here. So, gotta the give BDS master. Master, mistress. Yes, yes, <laughs> mistress Becca. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. Uh, please like or subscribe or share share this uh, video around. We we love the attention, of course. Not me. I mean, I am so introverted. But Katie can't get enough of it. So just do what you can for her. But from all of us at Spilling Ink and the great Mr. Sparkles, the largest pug on earth. Have a good night. We'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Thanks for watching. Uh, thank y'all for having me.